0: Welcome back, everyone, to the Men on a Mission podcast. I'm your host, Brad Richard, and shortly we will be starting our next episode. We will be providing you tools, resources, and information that you can use to make your life just a little bit better. But before we do that, let's honor our country and then we'll begin the podcast. Music Welcome back everyone to the men on a mission podcast. I'm your host, Brad Richard. And uh, today we have a special guest uh, with us and he's gonna have to help me out on his last name. George, how how do you pronounce the last name? That's right, everybody messes up. It's Calantis. Calantis, gotcha. Uh, like Atlantis, right? Okay, with the K, I, I can do that. Yeah, Calantis. <laughs> George Calantis, he is a Marine Corps com- combat veteran. He's a coach, an author, and a podcast host, and I want to read some, uh, just kind of an intro uh, with George, but I want to use uh, his own words, so bear with me while I uh, go through this. this. This is in his own words. One day, I was living the dream. The next day, I was in a bottomless pit of despair, dancing with death himself, ready to end it all. As my heart shattered into a million pieces, I realized I was trapped somewhere between the past and future, watching life drift, watching life drift apart. Mistakes were made, hearts were broken, harsh lessons became a story I was called to write. And those are George's words. Uh, George is the author of the brand new uh, book just been released, Nowhere to Go navigating tough transitions writing from the darkest days of his life nowhere to go is a journey into the depths of your heart and soul each essay and poem provides you with life-changing tools to own your story and find the courage and strength you need to overcome any challenges you face so with that being said welcome to the podcast george
1: kalantis right yeah, yeah. Th- thanks for having me. I'm stoked. It's interesting always to hear other people read what I wrote, and I'm just like, okay, cool. That sounds
0: cool. <laughs> yeah it it, it sounded. Uh, I'm a terrible reader, but yeah it it sounded good to me too. And and uh, usually when I read stuff, I'm like, yeah that didn't that didn't sound right. But nobody what they did it, it sounded really good. So, uh, yeah. Welcome to the to the podcast, uh, George so much to go through uh we only have uh, you know about 15 20 minutes and then we're going to take a little break and we'll have two segments let's start off i want my listeners to hear your story it, it it's a strong inspirational and powerful story so if you can talk a little bit about what you feel comfortable with you know go back as far as you want Tell us a little bit about uh, where, you, where you've where you been, what you've done, and uh, and what led you up to the book. And then we're gonna get into the book in more detail in the second part. Sure, sure.
1: So where to start, right? That's the whole question. Well, if everything starts with a story, then the three best decisions I've ever made in my life came from places of hardship. The first one, joining the Marine Corps, 2001, right before 9-11. I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. I knew I wasn't going to graduate. And so I walked into the recruiter's office, 2001, early 2001. Like, yeah, I would love to have you be a Marine, but you got to graduate. And I'm like, graduate? What? No way. I'm not going to graduate. I can just be a Marine. So it wasn't going to happen. Then 9-11 hit. And so we worked out a deal where I was able to become a Marine. I just went to school a lot and double up on the classes and got that done. Second best decision I ever made in my whole entire life was leaving the Marine Corps after 10 years, because I knew that I had something more inside of me instead of Catering to the needs and wants of the Marine Corps when I felt like I had more to give, like I was born to be more. And then the third most recent decision was to file for divorce when I knew it would tear my world apart. And it did. And so these three decisions all coincide with each other because they go back to way back when when I was a little boy. It made me feel as if I was never enough. And that came from seeing my parents get divorced at a young age, at six years old. I remember riding home from school and seeing my parents fight, clothes getting out, thrown out the door. I'm, I'm so excited. I Just had Nintendo. we got Nintendo, I'm ready to show that, you know, we're like one of the only families who have Nintendo on the block. And uh, it's early nineties and we're riding home, like, yeah, we're gonna go play Nintendo. And then I see these things getting thrown out the window. My parents are fighting. Next thing I know, three days later, we're out of the house and I'm living with my grandma and my dad and my parents are getting divorced. And in that process, I had no clue what was going on. Firstborn son in a Greek family, European, means you got a man up, you're the man, you're going to be the man of the house. What in the hell does that even mean right now as a 37 year old man, and even as a six year old boy, right? So to me, it meant I had to do everything I could to survive, hold back my tears and just, you know, follow my dad's footsteps, whatever that meant. So when I saw that, that meant my dad would work hard and would provide for the family. So those are the footsteps I followed at a young age, tried sports, I was really horrible, but kept playing no matter what, just because it seemed like a cool thing to do. And uh, I started working for my family at a young age. And that's where I really learned, you know, hard work ethic and and family matters and all that stuff. And uh, for much of my life, I tried to prove to everyone and anything that I was man enough to do things except myself. And it was very powerful. And that led up to all the way through filing divorce when I felt like I was never worthy of being loved, even though I had a magnificent wife and all these things. But because I never believed I was man enough to do what I do, Or did what i did i was empty inside which in turn ended up causing a divorce which in turn ended up making me feel even worse in life going down a dark depression and then ending in a parking lot where i almost took my life
0: wow if that doesn't make you sit back in your seat and reflect right our our stories are pretty similar there's a lot of similarities uh, and we we, we'll go ahead and talk about uh, the similarities uh off air but uh I joined the military, uh, for the male energy and for the male example, um, hoping that the military would teach me how to be a man and how to embrace my masculinity for, uh, for me, uh, it, it didn't work. <laughs> uh, I served seven years in the army and, uh, and, and I was looking, I was definitely looking for something, uh, in, in the military. So. Yeah. Now there is a part of your story. T- tell me about, if you're comfortable with it. Tell me about the loss that you had while you were serving in oh, the Marine yeah, sure.
1: Corps. Sure. Yeah, I'm comfortable with explaining it. It's all in the book, anyway. So it's all out now, anyways. Okay. Uh, you know th- what's interesting is just as you said, I joined the the Marine Corps to look for that that sense of belonging, that sense to, it wasn't enough just to to join any branch. I had to be a Marine because being a Marine meant being the mess, which meant I was going to be a man. So I joined with a few friends and, you know, we all had different jobs and things like that. Luckily I had a really good recruiter who said, no, listen, kid, you're smart. Like time of war. Like, I don't want you to go to war. Like I want you to use your, your, your damn noggin and go get a good job. So I got air traffic control where my other friends, you know, did infantry things like that. So there was like, you know, competition within our, our good friends um and they went to war and one of them didn't come back and you know at nine, 20 years old best friend gets killed by a roadside bomb like that sits with you pretty heavy especially when you join together and so i felt shame i felt guilt because i was i was supposed to be there we were supposed to be together join together leave together like we were child we were brothers childhood friends and so when i when i got the call from his mother you know it was the heaviest thing i've ever felt and that sat with me my whole entire career I mean, caused me to drink, caused me to go to deep depression. The Marine Corps even diagnosed me with deep depression. And I, I acted like it didn't matter because the, at the time the military still had paper records before they transitioned into digital. So I ripped out paper said I was depressed. So no one ever knew I was depressed because I didn't wanna get kicked out of the military. Although I probably wouldn't have got kicked out, but that's what I thought. You know, you go to a wizard in the in the, in the military, uh, chances are you're gonna, if you, you get diagnosed with depression like 10, 15 years ago, like it's not good for your career. And so I was so scared. That was the first loss I've ever really experienced in my life.
0: Oh yeah, that had to that had to be tough. How did you how did you process that? Did you have any regrets? Did you have any thoughts of I would rather it would have been me than him? Um, you know what just kind of covered that a little yeah, so- bit.
1: Yeah, sure. I, and I talk about it in the book a little bit. So what happens is I was too young to even process it. So I did like most young men in the military. I acted like it didn't happen. The military said, "Hey, we're gonna give you some time before we go overseas." I said, "No, I'm ready." So I went and ran overseas and guarded an American embassies for three years, and I acted like it didn't happen. But as soon as I got overseas, I was I I was manic, meaning like one day everything would be good, some days it wouldn't be good. Catch myself in drinking, I'd break down. I had all these different types of personalities and I couldn't figure out why. So I turned to working out really hard and drinking a lot. And of course, like that's a problem for anybody, but in the Marine Corps, when your job, your career is to guard American embassies, you can't be getting drunk. Right. So I would hide my drinking, but it caught up to me in around the third year and they finally sent me back um, in 2007 to get diagnosed. And then they, They diagnosed me with depression. So for many years, I didn't process it. And then I reenlisted. I was like, well, in honor of my best friend, I'm going to reenlist." So I reenlisted for a few more years, went immediately to Iraq and Afghanistan. Still didn't have time to process it. Was drinking in between. Ended up getting a DUI towards the end of my career. And I never got in trouble before. And I said, all right, something has to change. So I made a decision to leave the Marine Corps after 10 years honorably, because I didn't want to sit with any more shame, like saying, like, okay, I destroyed my career and things like that. I could have stayed in. But I chose not to. So truthfully, this took me a long time to process. In fact, I, I didn't accept his death until I was after the military, and got married and started my own family. And like, people were helping me see that it wasn't my fault. You know, he did what he wanted to do. He died honorably, things like that. So it took me a long time. Was did that play a part in your?
0: I mean, did you attempt suicide? And if so, was it more than once? Or, or just one attempt?
1: So in the Marine Corps, I had suicidal ideations, meaning that I was dancing with darkness uh, almost all the time for a period of three to four years, Um, but that that included really. um, almost drinking myself to a complete oblivion where I was like numb like that type of thing never really had like any any pure thoughts during then i knew something was wrong it just it it was normal for me so i kind of like talked about it and people were worried about it you know but they never said anything i didn't have the real deep deep suicidal ideations until like after the marine corps you know like i knew darkness was with me in the marine corps i just didn't know what so i used drinking and you know in the military, you know you spend time like we would always get together and i would be able to hide that with mass by being a leader and by being that guy that was charismatic and things like that but after the military i had nobody And felt like no one understand me, I tried to go to the VA. They're like, yeah, you you know, you you got PTSD. I'm like, cool. No shit. I knew that. Thanks. Um, So, you know, I had my wife, I had dreams and things like that. And so what I did to disguise that and act like it didn't happen is I would work really, really long. I'd get up, I'd I'd have dreams. I'd get up, uh, chug some coffee, go for a long run, go to work early, work all day. I was coaching people. So it kind of let it go. But some days I didn't come home until very late because I would spend sometimes hours in a, in a deserted place instead of going home and just thinking about taking my life and sit there crying, breaking down on the way to work. I would always think about wondering if I was going to ride into a car rail or not. Like all these things were happening over the course of things where on the outside, my life looked bright and picturesque. And, and I was a hardworking, successful veteran on the inside, man. I was dying. I didn't know how to express it. So it was a dance of darkness for many years. Yeah.
0: Wow. The, um, something that you said that, that I wanted to hit on or, or touch, touch on. Well, in your opinion, it sounds like it was very detrimental when you lost that military engagement in your life. When you, when you did the transition from military to civilian, how much of your world was lost when you became a civilian?
1: Yeah, it's so interesting. For me, I had attached my identity to the Marine Corps. Right. I, I wanted to mer- like fully retire as a Marine. And I was a I was a hell of a Marine. Right. I had a I had an amazing path for 20 years like I wanted that. But when I got that DUI and I sat with shame and all these things that kicked into that feeling 15 years ago that or 20 years ago that I was never enough. And so that buried with me that it stayed inside as if I was never enough. Right. And so the transition when I left the military, I felt lost, confused, didn't know who I was. And so what I did was. I got an MBA because that's what a 27 year old man should do in life. I'm a successful leader. Might as well get an MBA, go work corporate side. Right. So I got an MBA. Cool. Great. Now what? Oh, I might as well get married and start a family. Did it. Check. Cool. Inside again, dying, dying, hurting. Didn't want any of it, but I did it. I'm Now I have a beautiful daughter, right? The way things unfolded was was my path. But at the time I was rushing into life because I felt so lost. Didn't feel trusted. And it was, it was a tough place for me. I just rushed into life.
0: Did you, um? did you bring your, did you bring your little George, <laughs> um, your, your, your little guy, did you bring him with you into the military? And then, I mean, obviously he was with you when you got out. Did you feel like those, those feelings and fears and questioning your self-worth that was from prior to the military? And then when you got out of the military, it just kind of reemerged. Yeah. That-
1: yeah, no, it's exactly, exactly right. So what I've learned in this whole entire process, and here's what, why it's called navigating tough transitions and I will get into, it, but whatever the idea is that your past, right. It doesn't just walk away. And so for me, I ran from my past at every phase, right. I mean, at a young age, like I did not know that, right. I was, I was just, doing what I thought I should do in life. I didn't have guidance. You know, my dad was always working. He was gone. Uh, And what's interesting now is I'm connected with him as he's dying with cancer and all these things like passing of the torch. I'm actually going on my own soul quest in a few weeks, but I didn't know that when I was growing up. So I was just running, like existing in life, like at a young age, doing the hamster wheel because of the way I was trained and the way I was brought up. So most of us are taught this way, implicit and explicit messages around life. So back to the past, the past doesn't just walk away from you, it will follow you every chance it gets until you come to a crossroad in in life, wherever that may be, maybe it's an unfortunate event, maybe it's a tough transition, maybe where you're just like I'm done. And then that's when you find the courage to stop reflect face your past and say enough is enough it stops with me. And that involves yes for me like carrying my little Georgie right like I talk about this in the book like there was a there was a moment where. I had a seven, almost a seven minute voice memo to myself, screaming, crying, letting it all out. And at the end, snots, you know, all the things I look up, the fog's in the mirror. And I envision like myself, like a little Georgie, he's like, I'm free because I finally said, like, I love you. Like, it's all okay. That wasn't your fault, you know? And so, yes, he followed me for a long time.
0: Yeah, that is, uh, that is so good uh i don't know if you've had a chance to listen to previous episodes of uh of my podcast but it's something you know what you just said is something that that i pound home that i try to teach my clients you know i i mentor some guys i mean that is so over the target uh you know right right on the money and um uh, it's such a strong message and and i really want the listeners to hear what george is saying you you went back or you confronted that and you as a man made a conscious choice to stop it to put an end to it and control it and then decide where it was going to go moving forward you know rock on (laughs) you know
1: it's 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 not an easy thing to do and if anybody listening, like this didn't just happen overnight I do credit my years in the military for like helping me have this sense of awareness, have this discipline, have the courage, things like that. But like I had to, I hired mentors. I hired therapists as soon as my life came crashing down and I almost took my life. Like I went through that day. I'll never forget. Like I went through and I didn't even write this in the book. I'm not even sure why, but anyways, I went through the phone and 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 tried to call everybody and anybody I could until someone picked up. And it was a good friend from California who picked up and he talked me, you know, out of it and getting help and and just walking me through my life as a good friend and just reassuring that like i am loved like that like that's that i have gone through so much and then you know i have a daughter and all these things that helped me and then i got as much help as i could to make me do that and i'm still doing the work the work happens every day it never ends right on like i know like if you ever if you have depression or, or you have some type of like darkness within we all do like i have a conversation with my demon Every morning I wake up like, Hey, how you, you, know, and the guy's like, dude, don't wake up today. Like, you can just stay, you're exhausted, like a heaviness of life, you know, or, you know, you're still a failure. You're not an, like all these things they want to tell me. And I'm like, cool, let's go. Like, what do you want? Like, what do you really want? You know, what are you here for right now? Like, what do you, do we need to go deeper? And I have a conversation with this, like a lot of great people in life. Like if you look up to a lot of people in life, they have similar conversations with alter egos. And that's where I've learned embrace and that's why the book is called nowhere to go because we have nowhere to go we have to learn to accept all of who we are and that's when we can unlock our potential
0: instead of going somewhere it's staying with yourself
1: yeah it's in the moment yeah accepting like sure there is somewhere to go really cool you want to get the place to place great that will work until you hit the crossroad again
0: right exactly You said that your dad is—he's not doing well. He's—he's—he's fighting his own his own demons.
1: Yeah, he's fight he's fighting a you know
0: deathly cancer right now. You are in a obviously a, a a strong place. You're a strong man. You're you're helping and coaching and and really reaching out to a lot of people and helping them. Are you are you glad that you are in a strong place because? you are having that crossroads with him at this moment. And do you feel like you're in a good place to be there to support him?
1: Yeah. You know, um, I do what I can. I do my best because there's still many years that we try to process. So uh, a few weeks ago when I got my hardcovers in, like I hung out with him and gave him a copy, you know, we chatted and get to cry. And uh, he called me up a few days later, said it was a good book. And uh, I never seen him cry before. And over the last few years, he cried. And I say this in the book, I say the tears that I see him shedding right now are his way of understanding that his time is coming to an end. And so it's his soul's, soul's calling to clear a better path, whatever that may be. Maybe it's for us to pass the torch and leave it all behind for him to go to whatever place he's going to go. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. But we've definitely gotten a lot closer. And so is our family. And so death is never a fun thing but I've learned to accept it especially what from what I've seen in the marine corps and what I've gone through and things like that. So
0: do you um do you believe in your heart that he's proud of you because you've yeah. obviously made a lot of progress as a man and a yeah, soldier?
1: Yeah, I've learned to eliminate my attachment to dad as well, which is really good and that took me a long time. Um but yeah, he he you know, he told me he was proud of me over the last few years, which was really nice to hear. Um there's this whole thing Robert Bly, I don't know if you've heard of him, but he talks about an Iron John where for mothers we have to learn to steal the key from underneath their pillow because dad and mom lie together and she holds the key to you know the boy's heart and life, right? And then with the father, we just gotta learn to slowly detach from him. So that's what I've done. And uh I've I've accepted my father's death because it's happening. And in that in that place of acceptance, like I get to be who I want to be, right? And that's a powerful place to be. So it doesn't matter. know what he thinks of me like i'm very happy that he's proud of me and that we love each other now and things like that but i can be who i want without expectations or limitations of dad anymore i've 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 come to that conclusion that it's up to me to find out what a man is in the world and i always thought it was these external things in life because that's the way i was trained the way i was taught but there's a lot more to being a man than that as you know
0: yeah absolutely when um Wow. As, as we wrap up this first segment, because we're fixing to take a short break, the last, you know, the last thing you said there to me, and, and I think the listeners will, will kind of see you as you don't necessarily need his approval. And his opinion of you is not, it's not as important as your opinion and the approval that you're giving yourself today.
1: Yes. What I've so learned is there's absolutely nothing that invalidates your own self-worth. Nothing.
0: Only you, uh, control that. Correct. And, uh, and that, uh, that's a powerful statement that's probably been said for thousands of years by so many self-help people. You know, I see you today as, as, is you didn't just hear that you actually are living it. And, uh, You know That's inspirational to me, and I know it's going to be inspirational to the listeners as well. So let's take a short break. (laughs) And when we get back, we are going to talk a little bit about George's book and all the things that he has available uh, to help other men, uh, men and women, uh, at his website. So we'll be right back after a short break. Stay with us. We have been talking with George Talantis. And we will be right back. Welcome our new sponsor, Scars and Stripes Coffee Company. They empower veterans to build their own business using their e-commerce platform. When you purchase from Scars and Stripes Coffee, you are buying from a veteran. And your purchase directly impacts the men and women who have served our country. Do more than say, thank you for your service. Order today and empower a veteran. Use vet code Brad Richard at scarsandstripescoffee That's scarsandstripescoffee.com Welcome back, everyone, to the Men on a Mission podcast. I'm your host, Brad Richard, and this is part two of our uh, of our conversation with George Kalanis. And um, just we were talking about his background, his his uh, his past and all the different transitions that he has went through. And if you, for some reason, you're listening to part two, go back and listen to part one. Um, It is a powerful story. So we have George back. And uh, we are going to find out about more about his book, "Nowhere to go. And if you can maybe kind of tell us, literally, where did that title come from? Nowhere to go?
1: Yeah, so I mean, if you if you listen to the first part, you kind of got a gist of where it came from. But what I've realized is that I wasn't the only one chasing life. I wasn't the only one running from the past. And so when I came to the conclusion of like, basically, I hit rock bottom, which is what the Greeks call the katabasis. It's a place in a man's life where he has to descend into the layers of hell And face everything he didn't want to face his whole entire life. So, years and decades and layers and layers of oppressed hurt. That's the catabasis. And in that catabasis, you're pretty much sitting there with everything you don't want to face. And that's when I realized that we have no place to go because the same result for me, you, and everyone listening to this is death. And whether or not you want to accept that, that's on you. But the truth is, we're all going to die. Even our conversation right here has a last breath. When we're done, it's over. That's it. It's onto the air. We're onto our next thing. So because there is nowhere to go, if you want to be able to tap into your full potential, to meet your true whole self, whatever that means to you, that's up to you as an individual, because that's why the book is in a five-step plan. You have to learn to accept everything you are to be able to unlock whatever it is that's waiting to be released within And so there is nowhere to go. That is a... uh... That's a, that's an awesome, you know, spin
0: on the title or, or a description of the title. The five, the five steps that you speak of in the book are the five steps designed to help people through the different transitions of life or touch base on, on those five steps.
1: Yeah. So there is this in the book uh, for anybody listening, there is, there is no step process, right? It's not, if you do X, Y, Z, you will overcome whatever you face. No, 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 no. Right. Everything that you're facing is far too unique for me to give you a plan. Therefore, I'm not, I did not want to write a book that says, here you go, follow these five steps and you'll be okay. Now, granted, I love some of those books, right? I love leadership books. I love discipline books. I love self-help books. Those help me who I am today. But this book is a compilation of essays and poems and stories to help you as the reader find out who you are. And what you'll get out of this is how willing you are to go deep into your life. How honest you want to be with that reflection you see in the mirror? So if we talk about a process, I have seven main essays, seven main poems with individual essays, and each one is designed to help you uncover parts of you that you probably didn't even think about or do not want to face. And so it starts with going backwards because Soren Kierkegaard, he's a philosopher. He said, to live forward, you must understand backwards. I probably messed that up a little bit. But anyways, you've got to understand where you came from. Right? And so when you understand where you came from, then you can start to slowly connect bits and pieces to see how it shows up to your life today. And then from there, you can see you know, that the meaning of life isn't all these superficial things that we were taught to do. In fact, it's so much more than that. And so you find courage to go a little bit deeper. Maybe you have an uncomfortable conversation. Maybe you ask for a raise, maybe you ask someone out, whatever it is, you find a little bit more about yourself by finding courage. And then from there, it's in the middle of the book, it's, it's more about understanding your values, your needs, your wants, and really who you are underneath the surface when you remove the mass to finally unlock your potential, find different mentors in life, meaning coaches. For me, my mentors are uh, working out, mountains, writing, right? They all take me to that edge of the comfort zone. And then the last chapter is called the last hand and the last breath, because you've got to remember that no matter what, everything has a last breath. And so do you. That is just terrific.
0: The process that you laid out, uh, not only have you did this yourself, uh, I know that you're helping others, you know, to to do that as well. When you spoke of at the very end there about everything has a last breath, I know on your website and I know something that you're involved with uh, is breath work you know, and I wanted to that's like, it's like the perfect time to bring that in. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about what you're doing with that. I mean, I know, you know, breathing is really important, right? But there's more to it than that. So can you kind of tell the listeners about uh, the breath work that that you're doing?
1: Yeah, sure. So I talk about this in the book, the first time I ever actually experienced deep breath work, therapeutic breath work was at a retreat, a few years back, and it rocked my world. I mean, this was the first time. And when I told, when I said in the first part of the interview that it took me a long time to feel the heaviness and release it from my best friend. Well, when I did that breath work, I was like flashback to roadside bombs, like where I saw his death. So breath work is one of those things that I say it's like therapy in a funnel, because what happens is when you breathe a specific way, I mean, the way that we do it in the breath work, you are essentially giving yourself a safe space to shut off your nervous system, which is most of us, it's, off, it's a system in our brains that is constantly in a fight or flight. So we're in protect the mode, protect the mode, protect the mode, stress and all these things, right? The way we were programmed, it shuts all that off. And you tra- because you're transforming the way that you feel inside, you're transforming the way that you show up on the outside. So breathwork is really, it's like a therapy in a funnel. And so what happens is with the breathwork we do, I do it in a group and I do it one-on-one, You basically find some safe space, you know, I, I get you to think about some things I put on some music and I coach you to breathe. And what happens is when you're breathing for about 15 to 27 minutes straight, you're sending all this oxygen through your body, your body does a bunch of different things physically, mentally, emotionally, the next thing you know, you're crying, you have having mental breakthroughs and you're doing all these, you're thinking about a lot of the things in life that you usually try to push away. And I can't really, the science like shows all this stuff why but I'm not too much of a science guy. I just know that it works. And that's therapy in a funnel. So. I got certified and did all the things in that. I've been doing it for a few years. And uh, every time I coach people have massive breakthroughs, they cry, they laugh, and they find out more about themselves that they didn't even know. And
0: that's basically going through the breath work process. It relaxes the mind, relaxes the body, and kind of turns off that fight or flight that we all have. And then it opens up for change for positive things and sad things to come through where you can address them, you know, in a, in a more calm and controlled way, you know, if, if yeah, make make no mistake. Yeah.
1: Make no mistake. It's work though. You're not going to be relaxed doing it. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: (laughs) It's really hard. It's really hard because your body doesn't want to do it your mind is like, this is not going to work. What the heck's going on? And then emotionally, you're like, I don't want to feel that. Like, come on. Like, why would I want to talk about a divorce or a heartbreak or a death or, or like getting beat when I was a child? No one wants to talk about those things. Breath work brings them up, whether or not you want to talk about it or not, because there's a book out there, you know, your body keeps score. And so breath work is one of those ways to kind of transform all that.
0: Well, I want to encourage the listeners to check out that part of check out the whole website. Um, we're going to have George's website. We're going to have a link to his podcast, his Instagram, and uh, where you can buy a copy of nowhere to go. We'll have that in the show notes along with some other, other details as well, but check yeah, out do- that portion of the website.
1: I do breath work twice a month usually. Um, so they, they can check out the schedule. Uh, it's live, it's all zoom. And, uh, You know, it's, it's a mix of people. It's a lot of fun. Actually. I'm doing one. Uh, the next one is October 14th, I believe this Thursday, and then I do them a few weeks after that. So,
0: wow. And how many people attend that
1: I've had anywhere from three people to 27.
0: (laughs) Wow. That's a lot of emotions.
1: I would imagine. Right? (laughs) Yeah. It's, 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 it's powerful. Um, but you know, people are safe in their own comfort of their own home. So they could, they get to have the release that they want.
0: Yeah, that is, that's, that's incredible. Um, that, that jumped out of, of, uh, from your website, it jumped out at me and I went, I got to ask you about that. Uh, That's, uh, that's really cool. Okay. Along with the book, um, you know, the, the, the poems and the essays, tell us a little bit more about your website. I know you're involved in a lot of different things and just let the listeners know when they connect with you, what will they find? (laughs) Uh, there's, there's so much there. So, you know, it's best that, that it comes from you and just kind of, kind of, uh, do your elevator pitch, you know, but take your time with it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it, it's not really like, uh, so mostly, most of my clients are all entrepreneurs, um, you know, you know, having struggles, uh, breaking through to that next level of income that they really want. Um, but I, I do help pretty much every type of person, not just entrepreneurs, just happens to be the entrepreneurs come to me the most, but the art of tough transitions was a place where I originally started just writing about my feelings in the middle of the book and sharing my revelations and, uh, people like, Hey, I kind of like that. I'm like, you do. I'm like, cool. So COVID last year, I ran a, a, uh, a group group program, like a test trial It was called fuck the rules. I was like, well, I'm all about breaking rules now these days. Like I want to shatter limitations and beliefs. So I had like 15 people in a group a few times last year. And, uh, that was some powerful stuff. And I, you know, gathered some testimonials and some some feedback and things like that. And so the Art of Tough Transitions was continually growing. I turned it into a podcast, um, which I do about six per month, um, every Friday usually, and then one or two guests per month on every topic of life you can think about. This past Friday I actually did a revelation in the middle of the hike. So I'm huffing and puffing up a mountain talking about life. Uh 5,000 footers, a lot of fun. So yeah, that's that. But in general, the Art of Tough Transitions is a place where you're going to come if you're feeling lost, broken, unseen, or unheard, or you're processing a really tough time in life. You can come to come check it out. I got a lot of free resources. I got this thing called Code of Conduct where it's ten steps. I call it ten steps, but it's really ten things that ten codes that you can go to and think about wherever you're navigating life and relate to something to help you overcome what you're facing from self-sabotage to not feeling like you're enough or not feeling like you're loved in the heartbreak to death, to learning how to uh, change in careers, all those things that the main transitions in life, you'll find that in the code of conduct. And I have a five-day breathwork course that you can do in the comfort of your own home. That's uh, five days with journal prompts, uh, breathwork and everything that you'll need to have an emotional release. And then I have a book club, which comes with a book. So you get the book club, you can buy the book digitally if you do that, or you can buy the book and do it, then different upgrades. And uh, then I have my one-on-one coaching, which is a 12-week program and a six-month program um, where I work on with you individually one-on-one, and I take you through what's called the hero's journey. I don't know if you know the hero's journey, but essentially your call to action, your initiation, your departure from the ordinary world, venture into the unknown. I teach you how to release the need to be liked, seen, and loved by everyone else so you can actually love yourself. I give you a full health and fitness program, and then you return home. Your own hero, like the power of who you really are, and that's done twelve weeks or six months, depending on where you're at. So that's a nutshell. Wow, that's <laughs>
0: sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's. Uh, I appreciate you going through that. That's uh, you know that's uh, in a nutshell. Yeah, that that's uh, George's website. But I encourage people, yet just check out the website. So many great resources. Um, definitely, you know, connect with him on Instagram and check out his podcast.
1: Um, the art the art of yeah tough transitions yeah of tough transitions yeah okay sorry. Yeah, about that. Web, website podcast all flow together you know if anybody's listening what i what i really want to convey is like no matter where you're at right like it sucks it does but like trying to resist it right trying to resist that uncomfortable feeling that transition that you're in the middle of that place where you feel lost the more you resist it the more you deny the actual path that's trying to unfold in front of you Right? And so Carl Jung, he's a famous Swiss psychologist. He said, I'm not what happened to me. I am what I choose to become. And so in that moment of struggle, because if you're the one that gives meaning to the struggle, which you are, that means that you are the one that can give meaning to change. And so it starts right now. And by you listening to a podcast, by you reading a book, by you researching things on the Internet, whatever it is, that's your choice to change your life, because every choice you make comes with a consequence, no matter what. And so why not choose, well, excuse me, you can either make a choice in the direction of your heart and dream or in a life of excuses that are driven by the past. You can't choose both. You got to choose one. So choose wisely.
0: Exactly. Doing nothing is still a choice. Doing right? nothing
1: is a choice. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> it requires us to do nothing. Right. I've learned a lot about sitting in silence doing nothing.
0: And, and waiting for our need to surface and it and it will probably with with breath work right. <laughs> it may it definitely will work. with breath work. Yeah. yeah, for sure. That's um, yeah, that's that's great stuff, George. i uh, like I said, I I can't wait to get, you know get a hold of your uh, get a hold of your book. I haven't haven't got it yet. Uh, when actually did it come out? Um, uh, I mean, it's, it's
1: So just two weeks ago.
0: Yeah. So it's been out for two weeks. Um, it's Amazon bestseller, right?
1: It, yep, it hit Amazon bestseller
0: in a few different categories. Yep, excellent. Um, folks, you need you need to check out the book, know where to go, and check out the breath work. Uh, I may have to do one of those sessions because it sounds like it would be fun, you
1: know. It's definitely yes. not fun, but uh, you feel yeah. great afterwards. I'll tell you what,
0: it's like a purging of emotions. Yeah, uh, yeah I'll get a yeah. box of clinics, and uh, it, it sounds like well, maybe not fun, but I think it would be very interesting to be to be in that, you know, that group of people, whether it's three or 10 or 15 or 27, you said,
1: yeah, everybody does their own, uh, like their own thing. So, you know, some people shut off their camera, which is totally fine. It doesn't matter whatever people want to do. It's not recorded. And, uh, basically what you're doing is just surrendering. And it's a beautiful gift when you can give that to yourself to just, to, to give yourself permission to cry, to let it all out, to scream, to do whatever you got to do. Um, because, if we repress our emotions, that's when we get depressed. That's when we feel stagnant. That's when we feel lost. But when we release them, amazing things happen,
0: All right? Absolutely. I think the listeners are going to ask themselves, why would I go in front of other people on Zoom to do that? Um, can you kind of tell the listeners, you know, share with them? Is it, is it more, um, I mean, is, is there like a support aspect to it? If if they're there with other people that are sharing, maybe breaking down and, and sharing their, you know, their their feelings and stuff. How, how does that how does that work? Because I, I yeah, know yeah, so gonna, yeah, listeners are going to go, whoa,
1: I don't know if I'd be willing to do that in front of a bunch. Sure, of Sure. Here's the thing <laughs> with breathwork. It's uh no one's chatting except me. uh You're all you're in the comfort of your own home. Um, you know, if you have a breakdown, you're muted. No one can tell um people are way too focused on what's going on with them to even focus on you um right and so as far as like support goes like your your that session is you get what you put into it just like anything in life right so what, what i start the uh, sessions with a little bit of intention there's a little bit of uh guidance and things like that you set your attention and then you breathe and you let it all go and you just let your body take you ever afterwards uh like basically we sit in like in yoga they call it savasana but like i read like poetry And that has emotions like to tying the the theme of the session and allows you to just calm down. You sit in silence for about 10 minutes after the breath work to just let it all, uh, with you. And then after the session is done, like you're part of a community. I have a community that people are in. It's slowly growing. Um, and you know, you can reach out anytime in there. And, you know, of course they happen a few times a month. So,
0: yeah, that sounds really, uh, it, it sounds exciting and not necessarily like you said in a, in a fun yippy type, you know? like carnival way, but it it sounds really interesting,
1: intense. Yeah.
0: Definitely take some bravery to jump in there and go, Yeah, I'm gonna
1: try this. You know, it's tough. See, That's and, why I have it. Uh it's you know it's $25 uh introductory class. It's pretty good. Some some instructors charge 40 to 50 per session, um, even more individually. So it's 25 bucks. It it's you get what you put into it. Um it's it's definitely a hell of an investment. It's it's definitely worth it. And if if it's not worth it. All. I told people I'll refund them anytime, um, but no one's ever asked for a refund yet. And it's just one of those things where you see that it's safe to be in your body, it's safe to feel your feelings, and it's safe to just be yourself. And mm-hmm. that is so powerful. That
0: is something that you know. I'm fairly new to to the whole the whole concept. Um, I've I've had other guests on, and I've talked to other people that do breath work, or they've talked about it and uh, it's definitely something that I want to try myself. Uh, I'm 58, so I'm a little older than you are, so I probably have a lot more, you know, to, to I have a lot more breathing to do, but uh, uh, I definitely want to check that out. And I wanted just to go back, we're down to the last couple of minutes. I wanted just to go back slightly. Now, you have a course that is connected to the book, know where to go. And then there's also a course and you touched on it, but I, I want to make sure the listeners are clear. What is that that goes along with, is that like a workshop oh, yeah. so or
1: it's a, it's a, it's a virtual book club. I call it a course because most people know what a, a course is. So basically, right. uh, you have the option to, uh, take a six weeks, go at your own pace. It's, it's instructed by, uh, 35 emails, six, like six weeks of, uh, daily emails of each essay and poem to help uh, you apply it to your life, right? And you also get a weekly instructional video from me. So you get six videos, six weekly videos, plus uh, daily emails for 35 days, uh, and you get part of the community, that's 47 bucks. Then you can go to 147, which you then get a six week, go at your own pace, guided course, six in-depth lessons with the book my flagship stuff that i use on my one-on-one for a hell of a lot cheaper right so you get live you also get two live breathwork sessions and you get an actual six-week course not just emails and then i get then i do a little upgrade session there if you want to work with me one-on-one over the course of six weeks you get two two phone calls with me two video calls like this Um, plus also a health and individualized program that's uh 547. that's what that includes yeah so that's the course yep
0: cool when someone says they're an author and they've written a book and you buy the book and you read it. When it comes to George, okay, once you read his book, he is going to offer so much more beyond the book. And it's not just reading it. Um, I encourage the listeners to get a copy of this book, but look at the other things that he offers afterwards. Um, When you get to the end, you know, some people go, ah, this is great, but now what do I do? And you've kind of, you've answered that question. Yeah, anybody, where, anybody, where
1: anybody who's go. anybody who's listening just uh send me a, a dm on instagram or an email george at the art of tough and tell me 50 man podcast and nowhere to go like like put in the subject line 50 man podcast and say nowhere to go like in an email and uh i'll hook you up with some stuff
0: okay men on men on a mission podcast nowhere to go
1: and uh
0: send that to him Uh, You can get his email via the website and that link will be in the show notes. Yeah. I feel like I've been through a breath work session because it's like, you know, so much information, but it was all great. Yeah. Uh, Your story is very inspirational, um, heartfelt. I know my listeners can relate to your story, uh, relate to some of the things and the the transitions and the struggles that you went through. Uh, Mm -hmm. I, I can personally relate to it. So um, thanks, George, for being on the podcast. Uh, amazing story. You're doing some great work. You're uh, a servant, and you're helping other people as well as veterans. And uh, yeah, you're just a, 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 you're a great example of what I feel in my heart are the best of veterans. You know, You are a leader. Uh, I'm encouraging veterans to become stronger leaders and help one another. And for some of them, they need to deal with themselves first before they can go on and, and kind of tap into other people and to people's dreams and goals and stuff. So uh, I'm glad you're in the Marine Corps and I'm glad that we have you (laughs) on our side as a fellow veteran. So uh, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, We'll be back in a couple of weeks with another episode of the men on a mission podcast. I've been your host, Brad Richard, and check out the show notes and the links and connect with George Calantis. I just encourage you to, to look at everything he's doing. Uh, he's been a great guest. I'm going to end the way I always do. Make sure that you take care of yourself. Love your little me. And remember that they need you more than you can imagine. So until next time, take care and bye for now.
2: First to fight for the right